a series of messages on the Lord's Prayer. And so today we're going to look at the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Now, uh, this week we, we celebrate uh, the lunar year. Many Asian countries celebrate the, um, the lunar year, the new year. And uh, so and to, to celebrate that and really to, to keep it consistent with what we're doing here, we're going to hear the Lord's Prayer in Mandarin, and then we're going to hear it, uh, we're going to pray it together in English. And so I'd like to invite Edith up here. Edith is one of our small group leaders here in Elmhurst, and so give it up for Edith as she, as she prays the, um, the Lord's Prayer in Mandarin for us today. Hello? Okay. <laughs> 我们在天上的父, 愿你的国降临愿你的旨意行在地上如同行在天上我们日用的饮食今日赐给我们免我们的债如同我们免了人的债不叫我们遇见试探救我们脱离凶恶因为国度权柄荣耀全是你的直到永远。Amen. Thank you, Edith. Every time we, we, we've begin, uh, began this uh, message here on the Lord's Prayer, we began by praying it together. And so together, let's pray this uh, together as we begin our time. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I want to start off by letting you know that for many of us in this room, if not most of us in this room, this portion of the Lord's Prayer is probably the most difficult to pray. And it's the most difficult to pray, not because we're bad people. It's the most difficult to pray, not because we don't want anything to do with God. It's the most difficult to pray because we live in a land of abundance. And so praying for daily bread doesn't seem to make sense for many of us. In fact, I would say that many of us have grown accustomed to abundance. And last night I was reminded of this. Last night, after uh, spending uh, the day in New Jersey with my family at a family event, we came home, and by the time we got home, it was a little too late to fix a meal. And so I did what you do when you're hungry and you want to get something to eat. You start looking through the cabinets, you start looking through the pantry. And so I opened up the cabinet to see what do I want here. No, I don't want anything there. I looked through the pantry. No, I don't want, I don't want anything there. I looked at the fridge and opened up the fridge and stared at it for about five minutes, closed it, then came back in about three minutes, opened it again, and just stared at it again. Have you ever done that before, just staring at the fridge? And I concluded, I said, we have nothing to eat in here. We have, we have nothing to eat here. Now, we had eggs. We had tuna fish in the pantry. We had some milk. We had four boxes of cereal on the top of the refrigerator. But there was nothing to eat. And I say that because we have become a culture that is accustomed with abundance. For some of us in this room, uh, maybe you've uh, experienced this last night or coming to church this morning, where you look through your closet. And you were looking for something to wear, and you, and you looked last night, and you said, what am I going to wear? What am I going to put out this morning? And you looked at all the shirts you had, and the pants you had, and the blouses you had, and all of that, and you concluded, I have nothing to wear. I have to go back to the mall, because I have nothing to wear at all. We are a culture that has grown accustomed to 
abundance. Now at New Life, I, I want to hold this relatively speaking because we are a church community with economic diversity, not just ethnic diversity, not just cultural diversity, but economic diversity as well. And so for some of you in this room, maybe you are doing fairly well financially, maybe fairly well economically. And some of you, maybe you're not doing so well, maybe you're struggling a little bit. Maybe you're struggling because you have immigrated into the United States and you're still trying to find your way. Maybe you're struggling because you're unemployed. Maybe you're struggling because of your own bad money management. But wherever, whoever you fall on the economic spectrum, wherever it is, we are wealthy and filled with abundance, relatively speaking. I read a stat this this past week that said if your family makes $10,000, family income of $10,000, we are wealthier than 84% of the global population. If you make $50,000 per year, you are wealthier than 99% of of the population around the world. And so by the sheer numbers, our our country and our city is filled with abundance. And so wherever you find yourself on the economic spectrum, Jesus tells us to pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And so this que- the question I want to look at this, this today is what does it mean to pray, give us this day our daily bread in a land of abundance? What does it mean to pray, give us this daily bread in a land of abundance? And it is here where we turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6, the, the prayer that we just read. Now, the Lord's Prayer flows out of a question that the disciples asked Jesus. The disciples asked Jesus. They they were with him for some time. They saw his power. They saw his intimacy with the Father. They saw that his life was different, and they concluded that his life must be different. His life must have this power. His life must have this intimacy because he is a person of prayer. They saw how he prayed, and they saw the difference that it made in his life. And so that, that led them to ask the question, Lord, could you teach us how to pray? Because you're doing it a certain way and we're not. So could you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus responds by giving them this very simple prayer. A prayer that can be memorized by a three-year-old. A prayer that can be said in under one minute even if you pray it slowly. A very simple prayer. And he gives this prayer and essentially this is what Jesus says. If you're going to get this prayer right, if you're going to pray the whole thing right, the first two words of the prayer are important. They are imperative. You cannot get these two things wrong. If you get those two things wrong, you're going to mess the rest of the prayer up. And the first two words he tells us to pray are our Father. And if we get that word right, if we get that our Father right, the rest of the prayer is going to flow. But if we don't get our Father right, the rest of the prayer is not going to flow. And so he says, if if you understand that the God that you pray to is a God of compassion, he's a good father, he's a generous God, he's a compassionate God, he's a God who's filled with abundance, who loves, loves his children, and so we begin all of our prayers with our father, with an intimacy that we have with our Abba, with our dad, with our father in heaven. And it is out of that place that the rest of the prayer flows. Because he's a good father, we are to pray that his name is hallowed, that his name be sacred, that his name be be, be praised throughout the world. Because he's a good father, we can pray that his kingdom come. Because the kingdom that the father brings is a good kingdom. We don't have to worry whether he's going to make our lives miserable or not. He is a God who comes with goodness. We can pray his kingdom. We can pray, let your will be done because he has good will towards every one of us in this room. And that's why we can pray, let your kingdom kingdom come, let your will be done. And so it is out of that place that Jesus begins that he says, now we can start talking about your needs. And he begins very majestically hallowing his name, talking about his kingdom, talking about his will. And he goes from way up here, he takes us way down here, and he says, now I want to teach you how to pray for your needs. Give us this day our daily bread. He goes from the kingdom to talk about bread. And he gives us something so ordinary. 
And what Jesus is doing here is great for us to hear because although the primary desires of our heart should be for the hallowing of his name and for his kingdom and his will to come, Jesus gives us the space to be honest with God about our needs. One person said, the problem with Christians and the way we pray is that we try to be more spiritual than God is. And as a result, we start praying for stuff in in some sort of super spiritual way. And yet we have very physical, specific needs. And so when Jesus says you can pray for bread, he's saying you can get very specific with God. You can get very tangible with God because all of us have significant, tangible needs. Now the idea of bread, to really grasp the, the spectrum of the word bread, Ravi Zacharias is an apologist. He really gives a great understanding of what Jesus means by bread here because bread was a, it's, it's quite significant in Middle Eastern context. And so he says to, to, the, to the Middle Eastern mindset, Bread is not just a source of nourishment, it's the bearer of so much more. It is the means of friendship, celebration, pleasure. When you're asking Jesus for daily bread, you're asking for whatever it means to flourish as a human being made in the image of God, you're asking him for that. Lord, give me what I need to flourish as a human being in your image. Talking about very specific needs. And so here's the question that I have for you. What do you need today? What are you asking God for? What do you need today? To pray this prayer means that we go to God specifically with the needs of our hearts and what's on our, in our lives. And so to pray this prayer this week, and my prayer is that you are praying this at least two times a day, whether maybe in the afternoon or before you go to bed. But when you pray this prayer this week, and as you get to this line, give us this day our daily bread, I believe Jesus wants to form two things in you this week. Two qualities, two words that should so describe and define and form your life. And as you pray and you get to this line, may these two words be the words that he forms you with. And so the first word that he wants to form us in as we think about praying to daily, uh, give us his day or daily bread is this. He wants to form radical dependence on God in us. Radical dependence on God. What does he want to form in us? Dependence. Now again, if we're praying to a good father who's in heaven, It makes sense that he cares about every need that we have. And so Jesus instructs us to pray for our daily bread. And every word on this line is filled with so much meaning. Give us. That means, God, I don't have it. You have it. Therefore, I need need to receive it from you. I need to be dependent on my loving Father. And so when we pray these words, we're saying, Lord, I believe you care about every need that I have. And it is within your power to meet the needs that I have, whether it's for a relationship, whether it's food on the table, whether it's for a job, whether it's anything. All these things come from you. And this is why Christians are to be different than the rest of the world. Because ultimately when Jesus says that we are to pray for daily bread, it is a reminder that the the provision that comes our way is ultimately from the hand of God. Which means this, if you lose your job, you are to respond differently than other people respond because your provision is not in your job anyway. Your provision is God. Your provision comes from the hand of God, not the hand of your boss. So this is why Christians are to be different. Give us this day our daily bread is a reminder that our ultimate source of provision comes from God. Can you say amen to that? And so we pray this prayer recognizing that our nourishment comes from outside of us. And so this prayer urges us to say this, Lord, help me because I do not have what I need. This is what the prayer forces us to say. 
Help me because I do not have what I need. We are dependent upon God for bread. Regardless of your job, regardless how many cars you have, regardless of how big your home is, regardless of where you shop, regardless of the jewelry around your neck, all of us in this room need bread from God. Lord, help me because I do not have what I need. We are dependent from, on God for bread. It's a prayer of dependence. Now this prayer is a stark contrast to how our society teaches us to live. Our society teaches us to be self-sufficient. Our society teaches us to be autonomous. Our society teaches us uh, to, to stand on our own. Our society teaches us to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But praying this prayer reminds us that we are all needy people. Every one of us in this room, we are needy, needy people who need to receive from God. And I'm not just talking about literal bread. I'm talking about any need that you have. We are needy people. And so what's the bread that you're depending on God for today? For some of you, it's economic provision. You're depending on God for that. For some of you, it's, it's, it's been food on the table. For some of you, I met with someone this past week, and he said, the bread that I need to nourish me is friendship. It's some kind of community. It's something that I, that I know I'm not alone. That's what's going to nourish me. For some of you, it's, it's physical touch from a loved one. That, that, that's your daily bread. That's what's going to nourish you because you're alone. For some of you, it's power over addictions, that addictions will not have its way anymore, that the daily bread that, that God will give you is power over addictions. Whatever your need is, God says, ask me for it, and I will give you daily bread. Now, you would think, Christians, this should come easy for Christians. You would think this should come natural for Christians. You would think that Christians would be the best at doing this. The problem is most Christians, that many Christians, have a hard time asking for help. We have a hard time asking God for help. I have a hard, hard time asking people for help. As, as Dale Bruner, a New Testament uh, scholar, has said, he said it in this way, and I love the way he captures it. He says, we, we tend to carry around heavy bundles of wishes that never become askings for bread. We talk to ourselves about our problems in the form of much thought, worry, and sleeplessness. We Christians are strangely reluctant to talk about our problems with the Father. And here Jesus opens the door of faith as widely as they will ever be opened again and promises a fruitful audience with the Father for the simple asking. How many nights have you gone sleepless and worried and anxious because you have not even asked God, Lord, give me my daily bread? Talking to ourselves about it instead of talking to God about it. And he says we, we have sleepless nights and, and worry and, and we, problems in the form of much thought because we have not gone to the Father who cares for us. We have not asked for help. And most, many of us would rather suffer in silence than to risk asking for help. Because it's so much easier to give help than to receive help. For me, I, I'd rather offer help to someone than receive help from someone. And I've seen this manifested in many areas of my life. I've seen this manifest when after Rosie and I, we go grocery shopping and, I, and we cut out, you know, the full, fill the trunk with groceries and we get to the apartment and, I, and she goes, do you need help with anything? I said, girl, I am good to go. You can go upstairs. I'm going to take care of everything. She goes, can I take some toilet paper upstairs? Can I take a little something light and I'll take care of everything? And what do I do? I try, I don't know if this is a man thing. We want, we don't, we want to make one trip. We just want to make one trip. We don't want to make multiple trips. We want to make one trip. And so what do we do? We grab everything we possibly can around our neck. I mean, and we just, <laughs> veins are popping out. Honey, do you need me? I'm good. I'm not fantastic. Eggs have fallen on the floor. The milk is spilled now. But I'm, no, I'm good. Don't worry about me. And then I complain when I get into the house. Look at everything I did. My hands hurt. Look at this. I'm bad. You should have just asked for help. I would have given you the help. 
There's something we have of, uh, it's hard to ask for help sometimes. A couple of, uh, year and a half ago or so, Red and I, we were, we were thinking about it, the Imagine If campaign that many of you have gave to as we were thinking about getting our building to code compliance and how do we raise money and all of that. And so as we're talking about it, I, I took on much more than I could handle. And really it was an issue of me wanting to look, come across competent, want to come across like I'm capable, come across I'm strong. And so I said, you know what, I'll take care of the details. I'll take care of all of this. And, you know, you do what you're going to do here. And after a couple of days, I realized this is a mess. <laughs> this is terrible. And I remember, I vividly have, remember the conversation I had with Red essentially saying, I need help here, man. And for me, that was such a big area of growth for me. That was huge for me. Because I would rather come across as competent and suffer in silence than to ask for help. And yet, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it is a cry for help. It is a cry for help from God and the ways that God comes to us, which many times is through people. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I am dependent on you for help. Without you, I cannot do anything. And this is one of the reasons why we want you to pray this prayer a couple of times a day, daily at least, because it reminds us you and I are dependent upon God every single day of our lives, which is why the word daily is so important. We are daily dependent on God. Now, I would rather pray this. Instead of praying, give us this day our daily bread, the way that I would like to pray this prayer is this. Give us this day our monthly bread. That's how I'd rather pray the prayer. Give us this day our monthly bread. And when I thought about this past week, I was driving by Queens Boulevard, heading to my house, and then I looked to the left, and there was Costco, and I realized most of us want to have a Costco relationship with God. That's the kind of relationship we want with God. God, give it to me in bulk. So I don't have to waste your time tomorrow because I know you're busy with some stuff. So how about you and I, you know, do a monthly thing. You give me a bulk of blessings and then I'll come back next month and we could do it again so that I don't have to come back tomorrow. But Jesus, says, he knows something about us and he really, he knows the way to flourish as a human being, the way to flourish as a follower of Jesus made in the image of God is we need daily nourishment from God. We don't need, an, we don't need annual bread. We, don't need, we want quarterly bread. We want annual bread. No, he will daily bread from the Father. And so we are called every single day to live with this level of dependence upon God, daily dependence. Why? Because we are so weak. We are so fragile. In a, in a New York second, our lives could turn this way. And self-will and rebellion and all of that. We need daily bread from God. Not monthly bread. We need daily bread. And so to pray this prayer reminds us we need daily dependence on God. And, and it, 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 God, Jesus wants to get us to a place where we can trust that the Father knows our needs. And he wants to provide for us. That's why the, the, the stream, the thread to really get this prayer are the first two words of the prayer. This is why the Lord's Prayer is also called our Father. Because if, if you get that right, if you, if you know he's a God who's full of compassion and wants to provide for you, the rest of the prayer makes sense. I can trust him for his kingdom. I can trust him for his will. I can trust him that daily bread is going to come. So we are to be like children, trusting in our God's and our Father's provision. 
Now, some of you have probably asked yourself, what am I going to do with my retirement fund? What am I going to do with health care costs? What am I going to do with this new child in the house? How and well, where am I going to make ends meet? I'm lonely. I'm single. How am I going to meet someone? How in the world is this going to happen? And yet, Jesus wants us to trust in our Father's provision. Now, one of the things I've gotten pretty good at over the last couple of years is making breakfast. I'm, I'm like no joke in the kitchen for breakfast now. So Rosie and I, we've married eight years this week, and for the first six years, she's been training me uh, <laughs> without me knowing it, you know? And, um, to, and, and so a couple of years ago, she started, you know, I got six years of training in you, and I started making me some breakfast, you know? And, and so one of the things that I love to make is pancakes. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty good at making pancakes. Those, those are my pancakes up there. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I look at the, see the crisp around the edges there? I mean, I mean, this is, this is dedication, everybody. This is like focus. I mean, get out of the kitchen. I am in a zone. I'm making my pancakes. And so syrup and butter. I, I mean, I, I, there's some strawberries on that, the, the whipped cream. I mean, I mean, some of you are very hungry right now. Uh, I, I, I mean, maple, I'll stop there. And so... One thing I noticed, I'll make pancakes maybe once or twice a week for Karis and for us here. Karis is our four-year-old daughter. And one of the things that I've, I've noticed is that whenever I make pancakes, never have I seen Karis start putting pancakes in her pocket or, or putting it under the table or putting it in her drawer while I turned away because she feared that there would not be any pancakes the next day. Never have I seen that. Never have I seen Karis at 3 o'clock in the morning just pacing her little room going, are there going to be pancakes tomorrow? I wonder if Dad's going to bring pancakes. I wonder if there are enough pancakes that are going to... I wonder if I'm going to eat pancakes. No, according to Karis, there is an endless supply of pancakes. There is an endless supply of bacon. There's an endless supply of pancakes. There's an endless supply of all that. She sleeps at night knowing that weeping may endure for the night, but pancakes are coming in the morning. That's, that's her... She has trust in her father that pancakes are coming. And this is what Jesus is saying. When, when we pray, give us our daily bread, we can sleep at night knowing that our God is a generous God who longs to provide for his children. And therefore, all fear and anxiety is to leave because his provision is coming. He wants to provide for our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. And so we're called to rest. When we pray this prayer this week, my prayer is that when you get to give us a day our daily bread, that you come to it, you can exhale. <sighs> the Father is going to meet my needs. The Father is going to provide for me. And so dependence, that's the word that he wants to form in us. But there's another character, another quality that Jesus wants to form in you this week as you pray this prayer. And this is not only dependence. He wants to form in us another word, and the other word is this. It's contentment. He wants to form in us dependence, and he wants to form in us radical contentment. Radical dependence and radical contentment. When we pray this prayer this week, may you be more dependent on God, and may you be more content in what God has already given you. Now notice when Jesus says, pray this, pray this, pray, he says, give us this day our daily steak. He doesn't say, give us this day our daily steak. He doesn't say that. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And it's a prayer of, of simplicity. It's a prayer of something so ordinary. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, the first way I said it, to pray the first part, I said is this. 
Lord, when we say this, we're saying, Lord, help me because I don't have what I need. Another way to say this, though, on the other side of it is this. To pray for contentment means this. Lord, help me because I have more than I need. As, 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 as one person has said, Will Willimon, he said that most of us perish from too much bread rather than too little bread. We perish from having too much stuff than having not enough stuff. And so Jesus says, Pray for daily bread, which is a form, really, of contentment in God. Now, for those of us in whatever situation we find ourselves in, especially in this, in this culture, in this, in this country, in this city, we need to be able to pray, Lord, in this culture of overconsumption, let, give me the grace to know when enough is enough. Lord, give me the grace to know when to say, that's it. This prayer is a call to contentment. Now, last week, Pete mentioned John Rockefeller in, in his message, and it's worth repeating because Rockefeller at one point was one of the, the world's richest men, the first American billionaire, and a reporter asked him one day, how much money is enough? And his response was very simple. He said, just a little bit more. That was his response. Just a little bit more. But when you pray, give us as they are daily bread, what you're essentially saying is this, Lord, you have already given me enough. Help me to enjoy what you've already given me. Help me to be grateful for what you've already given me. Help me not to be possessed by my possessions. Help me to enjoy what you have. Lord, you have given me everything that I need. Now, this is hard for us because we live in a culture with so many options, with so much abundance. And so to say no to more stuff is almost unheard of because we're taught to consume. We're taught to overconsume. We want just a little bit more. This past week, I was reading a, um, a, a, a book, and the phrase choice anxiety came up. Many of us experience choice anxiety. And uh, the book is called Paradox of Choice, and, and this is what the, the, he talks about. The more choices we have actually make us less happy. And this is what he says. He says, when people have no choice, life is almost unbearable. As the number of available choices increases, as it has in our consumer culture, the available, uh, uh, the autonomy, control, and liberation this variety brings are powerful and positive. But as the number of choices keeps growing, negative aspects of having a multitude of options begin to appear. As the number of choices grows further, the negatives escalate until we become overloaded. At this point, choice no longer liberates, but debilitates. It might be even said to tyrannize. Now, I want to give a very practical concrete thing to, to give you an idea of this. And they're going to get some free advertising here today. This is Nevada Diner down the block, formerly known as Pops, formerly known as something else, formerly known as something else. And, and, um, and this is their menu. It's like their to-go menu here. As I was looking at this thing, I, I said, talk about options. Talk about choice anxiety. If you ever go in there, or any diner in general, they go, hey, sir, what would you like to order? It's just like, can you give me 40 minutes and come back? Because I'm overwhelmed at this moment. I'm a bit exhausted with everything here. Could you give me about an hour and come back? I'll just take some water. But in the meantime, can I get an hour? And so this is what's before us. All these options. And yet Jesus tells us to pray for daily bread. To live with contentment. And this is, this is really to change the, the way we live our lives. This is to force us to look at the ways we, we view our possessions. That we are a culture overwhelmed with possessions. 
We are a culture possessed by possessions. You don't have to look any further than the self-storage facility buildings that go up in every neighborhood. Some, some, some guy came up after the second service and said, Rich, can you not preach these messages with my wife sitting next to me because we just got a self-storage thing and, and she was nudging me here. The self-storage facility is one of the fastest growing industries. $22 billion worth of possessions people pay to have it stored there. Most of the time, they're not even going to see it again. It's like burying your possessions but paying for it. You know, it's just like, I'm never going to see this again, but let me just pay $35 a month. This is the culture we live in. It's a culture of overconsumption. This forces us to reexamine the way we, we, we use our money and manage our money, our personal budgets. It, it compels us to focus on what we do have rather than what we don't have. It forces us to focus our attention on those who are really struggling for daily bread. This is why we have a commitment at New Life Fellowship to the poor and to the marginalized, to the homeless and to undocumented immigrants, to people who are struggling on their way. And this is supposed to change the way we view our possessions and make us more generous people so that people who don't have can begin to have because of the generosity that's coming up from us, from the resources that we have. It's, we're, it's a whole re-examination of our possessions, a re-examination of our money, a re-examination of our priorities, a re-examination of everything. This little line, give us this day our daily bread, is to change the way we live in the world. Jesus is trying to form in us contentment in every one of us in this room. Now as I close here, he wants to form in us con- the dependence on him. He wants to form in us contentment. But I want to close by really talking about another way of seeing the word daily. Another way of seeing the word daily, another, another rendering of the word daily is, give us this day our sufficient bread. Give us, our, give us the bread that really satisfies. Give me the bread that really fills me. And the truth is, we all chase after different breads that don't really satisfy. Breads in the form of relationships, in the form of addictions, in the form of work, in the form of possessions, in the form of whatever. And we look for different breads thinking that that's what's really going to satisfy me. But the true bread that satisfies us is not another possession. The true bread that satisfies us is actually a person. It is the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he calls himself the bread of life. He is the true bread that comes out of heaven. And so he says, when you feast on my life, you will experience fullness because I am sufficient. And so, and so whenever we realize, I just need another outfit. No, it's, it's a call to something. You need, no, you need sufficiency. You need something that's going to satisfy you. You need the person of Jesus. He's going to satisfy the deepest longing of our soul. This is why at the end of services, we offer the communion. We offer the Lord's table. We offer the Eucharist. Whatever you call it, we offer it here. Because although we're taking a little piece of bread and we're dipping it in a little cup here, this little meal is to fill us. We're to walk out here filled as if we had a meal from Peter Luger's. Because it, it, it satisfies us. It fills us. A little, how can a little piece of bread fill us? A little piece of bread fills us when we, when we orient our hearts around, this is, the, this is the presence of Jesus who really fills my life, who is sufficient bread. And this is why we offer it, to be reminded that the true sufficient bread that you need is not in a new TV. The new sufficient bread that you need is the person of Jesus. And may the bread remind you of that. Every single week we take it, that Lord, you are my sufficiency. You are my daily bread. You are the bread that is sufficient. And so our discontentment really points us to a deeper reality. The deeper reality is only God can satisfy. 
And so as we close here, I want to invite the worship team to come forward. As we close here, as you pray this prayer this week, he wants to form dependence in you. Daily bread, everybody. He wants to form contentment in you. And so as you think about this, I imagine that some of you are anxious in this room, and this is a question I want to have us pause up for a moment. What area of your life are you anxious about? Where are you wondering, ah, is God going to give daily bread here? What area of your life are you wondering about his provision for you? Whatever that is, today is a day for us to offer our anxiety and our fear to God and receive instead his peace and his joy and trust that he will provide what we need. And so maybe you want to close your eyes right now at this moment, just pause for a moment and think about what area of your life are you anxious about? What's keeping you up at night? What are you, what are you fretting over? What are you nervous about? What area of your life? Is it economics? Is it retirement? Is it paying bills? Is it whether you're going to meet someone? Is it food on the table? Whatever it is, this week as we pray, we pray in confident trust that he is our Father who wants to provide us with daily bread. And let's pause for a moment, then we'll, we'll close our time in singing and worship. But let's just, let's just pause for about 30 seconds or so. Father, you are a God who loves us with an everlasting love. You want to form in us contentment and dependence. You want to form in us trust that we can look to you as the one who loves us and longs to provide for us. And so, Lord, as we think about our day today, think about our week, may these qualities be formed in us. May we be a different people by simply praying and living into this prayer. And so we sing to you now words of gratitude, words of worship, words of praise. You are a God who's always been with us. You have a God who's always provided for us. And Lord, we look to the day where you will, we will feast with you, eating the true bread and enjoying the true bread when your kingdom comes in its fullness. And so Lord, until that day comes, may we pray with Christians around the world, give us this day our daily bread. So we sing to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Let's all stand together. Standing on this mountaintop, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us.